Okay, hello, Talk City fans. Back again. It's the international break, but fear not. We've got a double bill of podcasts this week. I'm not going to tell you who the second guest is, but the first guest I'm delighted to share is my friend from a while back, Mark Frothingham. Fozzy, absolutely buzzing to get you on, mate. How are you doing? Chris, I'm good, pal. Um, it's good to speak to yourself, as always. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad to come on and have a chat with you guys about a good club, you know? I'm really looking forward to hearing your story, mate, because I know, I know that you expressed before we started about how you were really, really keen to almost set, set things straight a little bit, actually, with with, with the supporters, arguably, because um, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it started off particularly well, um, but but then it was a wee bit turbulent. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, mate, I just want to say at the start, thanks so much for coming on. I know that me and you catch up um, fairly regularly, so I'm buzzing that that you're now comfortable enough to, to share your story with, with all of the Norwich City fans. Um, it, it means a lot to me, mate. Yeah, of course, no problem. So I think I think the only the only um, place that we can start is is right at the beginning, mate. So let's start from Celtic. What was yeah. that like growing up at Celtic Football Club? Um, Chris, listen, Celtic's one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, so it was a great moment to obviously be asked to go in there and be a, a full time professional. I was. Um, Always like uh, in the academy and stuff since a young age, from probably nine or ten year old. Um, but I actually was offered to go to every club in Britain, and there were stories <laughs> going around Scotland that it was the not Ipswich, uh, I hope. Yeah, well, it was it was it was difficult, Chris, because um, I was going to school, and there was actually uh, newspapers and press people coming to the school because um, wow. there was an article in the Sun when I signed with Celtic. It was the most wanted uh, kid in. UK. Um, I had every single club in uh, the Premier League in England and plus the two old firm teams uh, wow. asked to sign us, you know. So what happened was my dad, um, he basically just said, look, he's not committing to any of the teams. He's going to go and spend his school holidays at certain clubs and stuff. Um, so I used to go down to Chelsea a lot. I used to go to Newcastle a lot. Um and, uh, no, I never knew I, that. Wow. Yeah, and, and it used to be uh, like Celtic, obviously, but my whole family were Celtic fans, so it was a of course it was a it was an easy decision to sign there. Um, and then of course when Kenny Dalglish, who was the Newcastle manager, he come and took over with John Barnes at Celtic. They actually gave me my debut at sixteen. Um, so yeah. I was the youngest ever player at the time. Mate, um, I've got that down. That yeah. is some achievement. That's yeah. incredible. Not, are yeah, you still well, the youngest player to make your debut for Celtic? Chris, there's a there's another young lad. Um, he uh, he basically I think broke the record by a month or something. But <laughs> yeah, you, ha- you have to put into perspective, and uh, I'm not taking anything away from the young lad. But me and John Kennedy had the the record. Remember John Kennedy come down on loan? Yeah, to yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, and uh, he's assistant manager at Celtic just now. But the team we were getting involved and was the team that got to the UEFA Cup final in Seville. So you had Larson and Sutton and John wow. Hartson, Paul Lambert, Neil Lennon, Alan Thompson, Ayo Berkovic, Lubomir Maravchik, Bobo Balde. It was unbelievable. <laughs> what squad, a team. Huh? Yeah. So, um, so have you been rubbing but, shoulders with Lambert before his Norwich days then, obviously? Yeah, well... Uh, Chris, I, I was like Lambert's basically apprentice. Eh? There was me, um, Colin Healy, and uh, God bless his soul, Liam Miller, um, yeah. who sadly passed away, who mm. was an unbelievable talent. 
So they were like three or four year older than me, they too. Um, and then I was coming at the back of them and we were all kind of pushing for that central midfield berth. Um, so, like I said, um, us three were three competitive young lads and um, the the guys that were in the first team at Celtic, they were uh, no one to give that spot up. So, let's just say the training used to get a bit tasty at times, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine, so, mate. What was the... I'm really interested here because I've never really asked you this question directly. What What was the yeah. point for yourself? Not what everyone else thought. What was the point for yourself that you thought, right, my career has really kicked off now. Like, this is serious for me. What Was it at the point where you became a pro at Celtic or, or was it after that moment? When did you realise that, you know, this professional football thing is is yeah. happening? Well, Chris, it's, it's really simple, right? Um I had so much hype and publicity about us as a kid. I was voted in something like uh, the top 100 uh, young players in 442 and all that, you know. So I had this, like, uh, burden at the back of us, but I, n- I never, ever felt like I had a burden, Chris, because um, I always talk about that. My dad's a scaffolder. I come from a, a really working-class background. and to He's a great scaffolder a, at that as well, Fuzzy. I've seen your Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah. So, see, to make it as a footballer or have a career in football, I, I, I was always told the percentages were so difficult, right? Yeah. And my mother was very... She was almost... Uh, how could I say, she was quite anxious, she was so sure. concentrated on us doing my studies and everything like that, but Chris, it happened so natural, um, as I got in there, I was built like a man at 16, so I was, I just knew that I had a, I just knew I had a talent, and I knew that if it wasn't at Celtic, it was going to be somewhere, but I was, I was adamant that I was going to be a player, um, because I was obsessed with it, you know, I just, Wanted to push people out my way to get in the first team, and that's uh, that's that's what I was about, Chris. You know, it wouldn't matter who I was know, there, yeah, that's for sure, how mate. old they are, how popular they were, <laughs> or whatever. I just knew that this is this is my spot, and I'm going to do everything yeah. I can to well, get you, it. You know, well, that that's what I personally have, have loved when when you play for Norwich, particularly. You know, you, you're very right. I mean, you know, I, literally, you were pushing people about, and I think that it was that passion that so many people admired throughout your career, all of the clubs that you've been at. I've got a, I've got to touch on this because I know that people will be will be killing me if I don't ask you. Yeah. When was the Fozzy flick? Talk to me about uh, the Fozzy flick. What was going through your head at that point? What happened was me and Sean Maloney were in uh, digs together. Um, in a place called Barhead and we had this landlady she looked after us she'd become like a, no one will ever re- replace your mum or be your mum but she was almost like a motherly figure to us you know so me and him were very close and Sean was a very skillful player and we used to work on certain tricks and training and we just we, we seen this guy called Jalminia I think he was playing in La Liga at the time Right. he used to run up to players and flick the ball over their head and try and get shots <laughs> off so I played in a youth cup game and Sean says to me, look, you, you, could you try this? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think I did it on three occasions in my career. I did it um, for the Celtic youth team yes. uh, in a cup final. And uh, i done it for Dundee when we <laughs> relegated Patrick Thistle away and it almost caused a, a full uh, pitch brawl, Chris. Um, <laughs> and then I did it in the Bundesliga for Freiburg against did you 1860 really? Munich. Um, in the cup, the German cup, and uh, that's when I become like the darling of the Freiburg fans. You know, I was the fan oh, favourite over that. there, and I, I had a special feeling with people. You know, but 
I actually got into trouble for that, Chris, you know, because Martin O'Neill was saying, look, you need to stamp that kind of thing out of your game. I want <laughs> you to be a midfield enforcer and uh, dictate the play and stuff. So I want you to cut out all the fancy flicks and tricks, which I did eventually. You know? Interesting. See, mate, that's because, and, and for anyone that's, that's listening right now, I'd encourage you to pop over to YouTube quickly and search Mark Fotheringham Flick or Fozzy Flick or Fotheringham Flick and it'll come up. It's quite something. Modern day football fans, very modern day football fans, of course, will know that this is this is Neymar's this is Neymar's allegedly skill. I would say, Fozzy, that Neymar owes you a hell of a lot of money. Because I think he's still <laughs> I think he's been watching videos of you pull off the Fozzy Flick and he's gone, you know what, PSG, I'm gonna give this a go. <laughs> mate, I, I, mate, yeah. I, I tell you, I think I think Neymar I I think you've actually got an opportunity to sue Neymar for the Fozzy flip. <laughs> some man. Yes, some man. <laughs> it's interesting, mate, because what they say when Neymar does it is it's kind of like a, it's almost disrespectful. It's almost so good if you pull it off, it's disrispectful, which I love yeah. about it. I, I, I applaud it. I've, every time I've watched it, I've, I've always laughed, but fair play, well, mate. I, I, I admire happened, it. What used to happen was that I would... Um, I used to try it in training with the first team, right? And uh, I think I tried it on Alan Stubbs one day and uh, <laughs> it, it didn't quite come off. But w- what happened, Chris, was, right, as a youngster, right, I wasn't... Uh, was this at Rangers, Fozzie? Was, was this at Rangers it, against Stubbs? No, this was at, this, uh, this was with uh, Alan Stubbs at Celtic. Oh, right, know? OK, um, yeah. So basically, um, as, as a kid, Chris, right, I wasn't a, a football fan. My whole family liked Celtic, but... My, my family were all boxers, um, so uh, I didn't really grow up as a young kid, you know, knowing about stadiums and everything like that. I wasn't an anorak of football or anything, but I yeah. just loved to play. Um, so what I'm trying to paint the picture is when I went in the Celtic, as a 16-year-old, right, I never knew the etiquette of football. I didn't realise that you couldn't do these things on first-team players and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So. What I was doing is I was just trying to express myself and show Tommy Burns and Doug Leash how talented I was. Um, but let's just say, you know, after trying that and training the next again week, uh, they were actually slow balling us in that and there was guys coming in trying to break my kneecap off. You know, so. <laughs> well, look, mate, all of the, mate, at the end of the day, all of the best players have, have tried to pull off these tricks. You know, you've, you've got Ronnie, yeah. you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, you've got Neymar and, and by the way, <laughs> Get Mark Fothering on that list. Um, Fozzy, I want to fast forward slightly now to 2007. Yeah, course, to 2007. So yeah. you're now training at Rangers at the time because yeah. you're trying to get a contract there. Yeah. You've ended up choosing Norwich, but we'll leave Norwich aside for one moment. Uh, describe to me the feeling of how it felt being a Celtic boy born and bred and then training at Rangers. Because, I, I mean, me and you both yeah. know, and the world of football knows that, you know, that old firm derby, it's religious. How did that feel? Did, did, did you feel um, a bit guilty training with Rangers? Uh, Chris, it didn't feel right from the very first moment. Um, the whole thing about it wasn't right. Uh, that's the only way I could describe it. What happened was I was in a team in Freiburg who was a team that's similar to Norwich to go up and down from Bundesliga to second Bundesliga, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'd come from Dundee on the back of playing every week as a starter and I was a young player of the Scotland under 21 captain so I went to Freiburg and I had maybe 22 international players so the two German guys or three German guys in my position were all they all ended up German internationals 
So I went to Switzerland and I played and I, and I basically played 12 or 13 starts in a row for a team called FC Yarov, which is in Zurich. And uh, they were always in the Premier League. So I played against Basel, Young Boys, Bern and everything like wow. that. And I showed that I could start every week. So I then decided, look, it's time for me to kick on now, you know. I want to play in England or I want to play in the old forum again. So I come home, I started training with Rangers and Walter Smith says to me, look, uh, if I get, I've got bids in for Kevin Thompson and Scott Brown, but uh, if I get the two of them, there'll no be a deal for us. But if I get one of them, they'll be here something for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, I went through to watch a game with my father uh, and my dad says, look, son, it's not for me to tell you, but um, you always make your own decisions. You're a very uh, strong-headed young man. But um, whilst covering this, up his Celtic scarf, uh, he just said, "This this doesn't feel right, you know." Wow. What do you think? And I says, "Look, Dad, when we both walked in that players' lounge, it was like two aliens walking in the door. It's <laughs> it's, 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 it's no for me." And uh, obviously, when Peter Grant called us, he basically gave us a bollocking on the phone. It wasn't so much to invite me to speak to Norwich or that. It was more of an actual bollocking. It was, "What are you doing? Why are you going to Rangers?" And wow. Uh, you're a Celtic boy. Your whole history has been at Celtic wow. and everything like that. So it was it was a no-brainer to come to Norwich and to play for Peter Chris. You know, I'm really I was very proud to do that. Mate, it's a brilliant segue. It's almost like you've done this before. So before, so you're, you're training with Rangers. Norwich come along, as you say. Peter Grant's tapping you up, and that's brilliant. Were there any other teams that that wanted to 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 have you at that point, or was it just a absolutely it had to be Norwich it was obvious it was going to be Norwich or could it have been another team at that point yeah there was a lot of interest from the championship um, I think Leeds and stuff were sniffing about as well and a couple of other teams uh, and when I knew Peter was there and how Peter was like an idol for his Chris because he was a Celtic captain and uh, wow, yeah. I still speak to Peter now you know he's a big influence on my career Do you? he was my, co- my coach at Fulham as well there um, so I keep in touch with him and when he come on the phone uh, I was like look uh, let's let's get this done I knew all about Norwich because I knew they were in the Premier League uh, the, the league before and I'd, I'd watched their games in the stadium so I was so excited to get down there um, I was like a little boy in a sweet shop uh, <laughs> being given the opportunity you know and I wanted to show everyone how much had improved from coming on the back of playing regular in the Swiss Super League and also uh, being involved in such a very strong Freiburg Bundesliga team as well, you know. Absolutely, mate. And then, so I mean, I mean, I'm sure Norwich fans will have an opinion, but that facts don't care about feelings, as the, as they say. Yeah. You had an absolutely outstanding first season at Norwich City. You made your debut, which was a two-one home win over Leeds. You're allegedly yeah. topping up, so that must have felt quite good. Um, you finished off the season with 15 goals. And then as a reward, you got that one-year contract extension. You picked up the captaincy. Life was amazing at that point, right? <laughs> Chris, you know what? Fo- football could change so quickly, right? So my take on it was like uh, I arrived in the, the January window. So what happened was I started really well. Um, it was quite ironic because we relegated Leeds and Alan Thompson was the guy that was keeping me out at Celtic. Uh <laughs> So I, re- I relegated Alan Thompson. 
you know. Did that feel good? Um, so it was a good feeling for me. And there, was a bit of ne- <laughs> there was a bit of needle in the yeah, game. I think he good. took his elbow off me in the first half, and I showed the fans that. Yeah, although him. I'm a young lad at 23 or 22, I think it was at the time that I was, I was very mate, passionate. Mate, and I was you're firing. I'm not messing with you, mate. Yeah. I'm not messing so, with you. That's for sure. So there was, a, there was a bit of like. Uh, there was a scuffle after the game in the tunnel and everything like that, and I think Peter Grant was like, "Whoa, this boy's on fire, man!" Um, <laughs> and Big Dixon too, and that was like, "Look, what's your story here?" And I said, "Look, this guy was—he's uh, a great player and stuff, but they guys kept me out of my, my the team at Celtic, and yeah. that was my dream. That was the the biggest oh. regret, and that was my dream to play there. You well, know, good. so I'm glad I love I got that from you, Fuzzy. Yeah. Mate, I love that from you. A bit of Schadenfreude and never killed anyone. That's what I say. Yeah. So. That first that first season um, was obviously a very successful one. What what I'm quite interested in is is the, is the captaincy thing. Actually, first yeah. first of all, how did it feel taking over as captain of Norwich City? Because because you took the the captain's armband off Jason Shackle at the time, and then that was under Glenn Roder. What, yeah. what what did it feel like to to captain a football club and play in front of you know a stacked out car road every week? What was the feeling? Well, well, Chris, look, I'll, I'll explain how it happened, right? Um, I I had originally signed with a six-month with a one-year option, okay? So as we were coming towards the end of the season under Peter, um, we, we had a stuttery end. And we were actually favourites to be in the promotion, uh, like the playoffs, because we had the two who, um, sure, Dion Dublin, yeah. Tucker Bay. Saturday. What a team, by the way. What a team, you know? Um, and uh, I, I was just fitting right in with the guys, right? But what I had to do was, right, I had to physically change my physique because I was playing in a league where it's so technical um, and uh, Germany is all about, like, the referees give a lot of fouls and that, but you know that the championship in England, it's very it's robust. Assemble, yeah. yeah. So what happened was they, Peter put me on a, he put me on a, like, a programme, right, during the summer. So basically, Chris, right, see when all the lads went to Las Vegas and they went to Ibiza and they go to Marbella and they do whatever they do. Yeah. I trained every single day, double sessions with Dave Carolan at the training ground. Dave Carolan, a friend yeah. of Talk Not a City, mate. We love Dave. He's a top yeah. man, isn't he? So he I, bet you he, program, you. Right? I bet you he caned you, didn't he? Tick, yeah, the lads had a tick-over programme, but I had a, had a full-out programme, right? So I was, I was basically like a man obsessed, right? Because... I wanted to show everybody the real me the following season. So anyway, he signed some uh, good players. He signed uh, guys that were in my position and I knew that there was going to be competition. And when we started the season, uh, I come on against Southampton and I changed the game. It was when Gareth Bale was playing for them. You scored in that game, didn't you? Yeah, but I picked up a really bad uh, ankle ligament injury, right? So I ended up being out for... I think it was about two and a half to three months, Chris, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then what happened during that period was Glenn Roder come in. The team was really struggling under Peter, right? Uh, there was too many boys in the midfield that were like uh, enforcers and there was nobody that wanted to come and take the ball. Mm, okay. uh, so, so I was watching, it was hurting really bad because the team was struggling and I thought, look, uh, they, they're, they're missing me because... I, I grew up at Celtic, Chris, right? And see, when you grow up at Celtic, you, you have to play in front of 60,000 fans, right? Yeah. So you can't hide. There is no way you can yeah. hide. You have got to go and take the ball, okay? And uh, when Glenn uh, took charge, I was 
running at the side of the pitch, okay, with Gary Docherty. Yeah. And and Ginger there was Pelle. no, he had no contact with me, Glenn or Lee Clark or Paul Stevenson. They were just watching me coming back from an injury. I was just a no one to them. Right. You know? So the the called the game for uh, to play. Uh, I think it was uh, MK Dons. Or something like that, you know, in a reserve game. So I played, I think Luke Chadwick played and, and maybe Doc played. So I got whipped up, off after 60 minutes. So I come in the dressing room and I was like, this is this is terrible. I'm, I'm, I've trained so hard in the co-season. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite right after this injury. Uh, and and I basically, I, I was very angry, you know. So That's not like you to get pulled, angry, Fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. So, so Chris, it was, it was funny. He pulled us in the next day, Glenn. And he said, look, what's the situation with you? I says, Gaffer, I've come back from a bad injury here. I've done all my ankle ligaments. I said, I'm needing matches. I says, and, and you, you've, you've took me off after 60 minutes in a reserve game. How, how am I supposed to get matches? Mm. And, and he just let me go on and on, and he was listening. And then he went, you know why I took you off? I said, why? He says, because you're starting on Tuesday. Yes! And I what went, a what? moment! <laughs> he said, you'll be starting Tuesday in my team, right? He said, you know what, son? He says, you're the only boy at this club that'll go and take the ball. Nice. Right? So, Chris, I come in the team, and all I could remember was, right, I was actually playing on adrenaline, because see that stadium there that you guys have got, right? Carrot, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable, right? So see, when you're on top in games and, and you're doing well, you can feel the fans pushing oh, you. Under the lights especially, right? And the pitch is always like a bowling green. So see, for me, I, I love to go and pass the ball, right? Um, it was uh, easy for me to play. It was a tight pitch that stands close to the, the, the pitch. It's not a big distance from the actual pitch itself. So when I felt the atmosphere, I used to play on adrenaline. And then, of course, when I first come into the team, uh, we we won, then we started going on a run. I think we went on a run, and we were actually went from bottom of the league to sitting maybe two points outside the playoffs come winter thing. Mate, I remember it well. We yeah. were flying. So and then after the second game, uh, big shacks and me got pulled in. Uh, I think it was maybe the second or third game. I can't remember yeah. correctly because it was quite long. And he said, "Look, I'm telling the both of you uh, together." Uh, your uh, Shaq's Foz is going to be the captain. Wow. I've never got a pre-warning or that, Chris, you know? Right, OK. Um, so Shaq's went out uh, to get yourself ready for the game and he says to me, listen, you're my captain. And I says, what? He went, you're my captain, right? He says, you take no shit from anybody. He says, wow. the boys aren't pulling their weight in the training. I could hear your voice, you tell them. He says, you've got big club mentality and uh, it's come from Celtic. And That's I says, class. yeah, well... That's what I want. I says, look, Gaffer, I'm not a guy that could go on a run and dribble like Huckerby or Lee Croft or that. I says, but see, when the going gets tough, I'll keep demanding that ball. I'll take that yes, ball. Yes, Fuzzy, it, yes. You know? Love to so, hear uh, that. that. That was it, Chris. You know, we, uh, we basically went on a great run and then uh, we hit the Christmas period and uh, then then we went off to Marbella for like a warm weather training. And, and then, then it uh, went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think what happened, yeah, exactly. What happened was Glenn was like uh, trying to then uh, build his squad for the following season. He was trying to get uh, rid of players that he didn't feel could quite take him to the level that he wanted to, you right. know? Um, 
and then we'll come back for pre-season and it was the same again um, I had this like uh, I've become obsessed with playing in the Premiership Chris and, yeah. I, and I've never I've never done it it's my biggest regret you know um, mm. but when I was training at the Colney uh, and playing in games uh, Hucker being Dublin and that they used to come up and they used to say listen son your Premiership your Premiership wow and see to get that sort of feedback for day two it was an unbelievable Especially from those two players, right? Legends. They were two unbelievable legends. And to be in their company and to work with them in the club uh, was such a great uh, thing for I was going to say, I was going to say that, Fozzie, obviously you've mentioned there Dion, you've mentioned Hux. Was there yeah. any, were there any other players in, in that, you know, uh, over the, over the course of your career at Norwich that you, that you thought, wow, like proper good players? Chris, they two could play for any club in, for me in Europe. They wow. Too. And that's all how you rate them. You've got to remember, Dion was, I think, 36 and 37, 38 year old when he was at Norwich, Chris. Mate, Dion was my favourite player. What a man. Chris, up Dion front, was centre back. Oh, Dion, Dion used to get up at six o'clock in the morning on a Monday and come in and, and uh, put a bin liner on and run out of his rain jacket and sweat for 45 minutes on the cross trainer, right? So wow. see when you're a young player and you see a senior player like that, you buy into that yes, mentality. Yes, yes. And what happens is when you see Darren Huckerby winning every race at the pre-season, it spurs you on and you become like an animal. So when we come back that following pre-season, I was, I was obsessed. I wanted to beat Huckerby in every race. Love that. <laughs> I wanted to show everybody. Good luck, mate. He doesn't eat breakfast, that man. You know. So, so that was my, that was my motivation. And see, when I was hearing stories from Adam Drury and Hux about promotion playoffs or playing yeah. in the Premier League, you were like, "I've got to get there." I, I wanted this. I oh, wanted this so mate. bad because I knew that the buzz around the the, the beautiful city of Norwich is and the whole of Norfolk and the feeling you would get at the the stadium. I knew that if we could get it going, it would be incredible. The feeling, you know. Mate, sure. I love I love to hear how how highly you, you you rate the city. I really do, Fozzie, I'm gonna I'm gonna I was gonna ask you about your lowest point playing for Norwich, but I'm not. I'm just gonna go straight to, straight to the point, which is yeah. obviously a lot of Norwich fans will remember Coventry at home. Yeah, you 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 subbed off. Yeah, um, and and you had a big fallout with Gunny. But t- talk talk me through that moment, and and let's let's use this next two minutes now to set the record straight from your point of view. Yeah. What were you feeling, and and did you really want to? Did you want to leave the club as soon as you got pulled off at that point? Well, Chris, what happened was there was a there was a lot going on here. Eh? So see, there was new investors coming with uh, Delia, right? She, she Delia was unbelievable to me. She was a fantastic lady, her and her husband, and the old chairman was a great guy as well. Um, so basically Glenn had cleared out a lot of players right he was promised investment I don't know what happened Chris right but the investors left early on in the season so we'd cleared he'd cleared out a lot of players right but he couldn't actually bring bring players in right so we then had like uh, young Kieran Gibbs uh, Ryan Bertrand right Chris let's, let's put this straight right I was playing in games with Kieran Gibbs in midfield and people were trying to shout from Norwich and say he was a bad player. Because you were out of position, weren't you, mate? This is my biggest This is my biggest no. annoyance when I listen to Norwich fans. They don't slate you now, but the time they slated you, but you were out of position. Yeah. Chris, what happened was, right, 
see when I was playing with your Gibson, your Bertrand, right? These young lads, they were great. They were giving me energy. It was yeah. a buzz to play with them. They were some phenomenal mate, players. Mate, great athletes. Jed Evans, Crofty got player of the year and all this stuff, right? But what happened with Glenn is, right, he had to bring in young players. He couldn't bring in experience, right? And he tried to do a few things with loans, okay? Yeah. So when I signed my renegotiation in that summer, right, I was badly advised. I was offered a four-year contract for Norwich, okay? Right. And I ended up signing a one-year contract. And in the January window, right, I had a clause, which meant I could leave for peanuts because yeah. uh, there was a, if Glenn had went to Fulham or something like that, right, uh, which he was being linked with at the time because he was doing so well. There was a cause that I could leave with him. He wanted okay? to do a little naughty and take you with you, yeah? Yeah, right. No, I was badly advised, right? I was a young lad, right? I was the youngest captain for Norwich, I think. I'm one of the youngest captains. I think I was 22, 23, right? So I had all this responsibility, okay? Now, we're now we've now got a weakened team from what he wanted to build, okay? Yeah. Because the investors pulled out. So... There was a lot of pressure on me, right? But I felt it from the very first warm-up in the, in the games wow. when the season started, right? It was like a section of the crowd weren't happy with me, right? Because I only signed a one-year contract, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but, but no, that, no, Chris, see, in hindsight, right, they've got every single right to be unhappy with me, sure. right? Because you know what? See, if you're captain of such a great club like Norwich, you should be signing four-year contracts because you should be committing to them. You know? Do you regret that, Fuzzy? I totally regret it, Chris. And you know what? I was badly advised from agents and people like that. And what happened, it comes back to that feeling that I had, right? I was obsessed with the Premier League. Obsessed. Yeah. Right? So what I knew was, because I was on fire, I got my new contract, right? And you know what, Chris, right? I lost a lot of money because I could have committed to four years on a fantastic salary. And I took the risk. I only took one year because I knew, right, if the investment's not here in You're Norwich, with the how, could we possibly yeah. Get, yeah. how could we possibly get this club up with the with not the calibre of player that Glenn wanted to bring in? Yeah. You know? So, well, so I mean, it's, it's going it, to be a hard period. But it's not just you then, yeah. mate. I mean, you, if, if, if you speak to Crofty, he says the exact same thing. There's been so, multiple players yeah. at Norwich that have been badly advised and there's been yeah. it's not just a Norwich mate it happens everywhere and it's always the benefit of hindsight so tell me so just let's so, so that, so that Coventry Chris, game you're not getting back to Brian right yeah so let, hit me hit me with that right? that's what I want to hear Brian Gunn right Brian Gunn's a legend right he is and and I keep in contact with him now even now we'll send messages of when his son got called up for England and what stuff like man. that send yeah, yeah, yeah. congratulations right no. Brian was there under Peter Wright as the chief scout, right? So yeah. he had all the data on all the players that they were recruiting and everything, right? He was a workhorse. He used to be in the office constantly. So basically, the chairman called me. This is the truth. When Raider, Roder got sacked and he said, look, Mark, we're thinking of make, we've made a change, right? Uh, there's a few candidates. And I says, look, chairman, it's not for me to tell you, right? You've probably got Paul Lynch and Eddie Boothroyd, right? They're two fantastic managers. I says, but Paul Lynch, I'll need a big budget. Yeah. And we both know that we haven't got the money because the investors have pulled out, yeah. right? And I said, and you know Eddie Boothroyd, he's another great coach. I've heard so many great things about him. But at the, at the time, he was a long ball merchant and we couldn't play long ball. We had Wes Houlihan, yeah, guys like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arturo Lupule, guy. They, 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 weren't, uh, they weren't players suited for that sort of game, okay? Yeah. So he said to me, what are you thinking? And I says, your manager's there. 
he's already there. He went, Gunny. I said, yeah. I said, he's been taking it as caretaker and we had a fantastic, I think we had a 4-0 win against Bandlet or something like that. 4-0 or maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And Gunny is caretaker. Yeah, And then I said, well. give him, I said, give him the job. We're coming up to January. He loves the club. He'll, he'll know all the players that he wants to bring in and do his ducking and diving with the loan deals and everything like that. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. So you wanted him in charge? You, yeah. And, and then and I says, and then you guys can reassess it at the end of the season. You know, I says, but you've got a good man in there who can steady the ship. Yeah. And he brought, Gunny brought in great coaches. He brought in Crookie, who's a legend. Yeah. Right? And he brought in, I think, it was Ian Butterworth. Yeah, Ian Butterworth, yeah. He's another, he was another fantastic guy. And I, I clicked with the two lad straight away so anyway uh, anyway Trish we, we went on a bit of a bad run right so we'll come up to uh, the January period right but Glenn Roder had signed uh, Sammy Klingon right yeah. so me and Sammy were so similar right Sammy was a guy that wanted to come and take the ball and dominate the game right so I actually got pushed into like a, a number 10 or a number 8 position yeah. Chris I've never been a number 10 in my life I'm not a player that plays with my back to goal yeah I like to come deep and start the game and no, touch like the ball that, all the yeah. time, get my tackles in and, and put my presence in the game, right? So what happened was me and Sammy, we both kept cutting each other out and we were getting each other's way all the time trying to dominate the ball, right? Um, so as you're leading into this game, uh, I think it was in the last minutes we were drawing maybe and I've had a great chance to, to score. And with the frustration of playing out of position for a period of weeks, right? Yeah. And also, uh, it was like the last minutes of the, of the, the game extra time, he, he, uh, Gunny brought on Daryl Russell, who's a great lad, another good pro and good player. Yeah. And uh, I could understand it because he wanted Daryl to probably come on late on and try and snatch a goal, what Daryl was good at, right? But, Chris, I was the captain, mate. I cared about this club. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wanted to put this right. I wanted to see, mate. This is the thing that frustrates the hell out of me. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, because yeah. and and we had the exact same problem with Russ Martin. And this is exactly why I love doing this podcast and hearing it from the horse's mouth, which is which yeah. you're you're the horse in this case. We had the exact same problem with Russ Martin. People don't realise how much players fall in love with Norwich City, how much they fall in yeah. love with the club, how much they care about the club footballers aren't robots and you were very much of the same ilk as Russ Martin and just the respect of how much you love the club. Look, think about what, you know, if, if, if fans thought you weren't technically gifted enough, if fans thought you didn't work hard enough, then fair yeah. enough. But don't come out saying, you know, that, oh yeah, Fozzie's this and Fozzie's that because he blooming, he blooming cares and he really, really gives a crap about this football club. Well, so I'm pleased Chris, to get that from not, you, mate. I'm pleased to get that from know, you. you. You know what it is, Chris, right? See, fans have got their opinion, right? Yeah. So I understood the frustration with the, with this from the start of the season. There was just not not all the fans. There was a small section, and I felt the frustration, right? Even from warm-ups, it was like it was a different feeling towards me because I didn't commit to this four-year contract. Yeah. Okay? So obviously, you've got to realise there's a business side to Norwich as well, Chris. Yeah. It's not always about the football, right? Yeah. So maybe Neil Doncaster's thinking, wow, Fozzie's probably our top earner here, right? It's coming now. We've not got the investment that we've got. We're struggling at the bottom of the league, right? Maybe it's time to make a change. Uh, the clause that I had in, in the January window, that also got leaked to the press as well, you know? And you know what, Chris, right? People never seen what I was like behind the scenes, right? 
And I'm not having people saying that I wasn't a technical player, pal, because any Norwich player at that squad, I'll tell you, technically, I was as good as any player. Yeah. Any player in that squad, two-footed, passing, I was technically as good, if not better, than anybody. Because you know what, Chris, right? If I wasn't as good, right, there's no way I would have been starting in front of a two-hoo or Safre. Or guys like that. Yeah. Because they were top players. Mate. Yeah, absolutely, top, mate. Top I'm players. with you, mate. You're, you're preaching yeah. to the converted here. You know? Right, Fossey. So what wait. happened was, um, Sorry, when I ahead. got substituted in that game, um, it was a build-up of everything, really. I was also quite loyal to Glenn in the fact that um, I felt for him because he was trying so hard. Yeah. Him, Lee Clark and Paul Stevenson were three great coaches, yeah. Chris, you know? Yeah. And I got so close to the three of them as well. So basically, I, I, I stormed down the tunnel and... Um, I think I kicked one of the doors right off the hinges. Uh, oh, no. And, and I marched in and I told Gunny, I says, listen, uh, you'll not humiliate me in front of my fans. That's my fans as much as they're your fans. And I've worked my backside off to build this special relationship I've got with them. And I told them, I said, there's already pressure on me because I've no signed this long-term contract, right? Yeah. And they're questioning my commitment. I says, and you're making matters worse. I'm the captain of this club. Right, and yeah. I've got every right to uh, be annoyed at that substitution, you know. Mate, I can hear, um, I can hear how annoyed you are at it, even just speaking yeah. about it now after all those years, mate. Yeah. L- l- let's because we're a wee bit tight for time, and I'm, I'm really actually keen to to end on a on a positive because you do yeah, love problem. our football club. <laughs> you know, what, if you could say anything to to the Norwich fans right now, what would you say? I would just say to them that no matter what happened between us and them, there was never any ill feeling on my part because, uh, as I said, Chris, right, it's a big part of my history. I was so proud to play for that club. Um, And when I was in that team or in that jersey, right, I gave absolutely everything I had. Um, And as I said, there was a lot of, like, rumours going about that me and Gunny had uh, a follow-up on that. That's not the case. Me and Gunny are very close and good friends, you know? And I've got uh, most respect for Brian. But it's just the way things are handled. And people don't always realise that football's a business. It's not just yeah. what goes on in the football side of things. And you know what else happened, Chris, right? Which was quite bad. If I was such a bad player, right? Why was Alan Preston from uh, Prest- uh, from Preston? Alan Irvin, sorry. Why was he wanting me and desperate to get me at Preston, who mm. were actually going for the playoffs, for promotion to the Premier League. And, and I was sitting at a club that was sitting at the bottom, you know? So so I woke up in the morning at the end of the transfer window and I come drive, driving down in my car and I see them, the headlines. Fozzie goes and swap deal with Carter for Preston, right? Dan Carter. Yeah. So what had happened is, Gunny and Irvin had spoke. Uh, they wanted me, but Dan Carter didn't want to come to Norwich because he was sitting on a big contract up there, okay? Yeah. Now, see this, Chris, right? We were in a bad situation, right? I also had to deal with this getting leaked to the press and everything as well. Mate, you've had a, you know? you've had, you've had a hell of a time, haven't you? And you know what, Chris, right? People forget, I wasn't a 30-year-old. I yeah. was a 23-year-old young guy Yeah. that was away from home. And I, was, and I already had my pressure because see, you know what? I was the captain of the club, right? Yeah. And I was looking after myself, but I was also looking after the other boys. You could ask the boys about when we went up to Nottingham Forest and we got a draw with them away from home, right? And see, when we come back, one of the the reporters from Off the Ball gave every single player, right, 
a seven or an eight out of ten. And Ryan Bertrand, who's an England international, got a five out of ten. Right. Right. And do you know what Mark Fotheringham done? Mark Fotheringham phoned up the reporter and said, listen, <laughs> we, we played with 10 men against Nottingham Forest, right? How could you possibly say that not every one of us got pass marks when we got that draw away from home, right? Yeah. And he says, well, what I'll do is I'll look back on it and I'll reassess it. And he come back and he, and he changed it. And I wow. said, well, look, I'll, I'll tell you the reasoning to it, right? You've got young players who are coming in from Premier League clubs. They've already got pressure, right? Yeah. And and you're not thinking about it, right? They read these newspapers. They read what their marks are, right? Absolutely. And it affects mate. them. It Absolutely. Affects them. I mean, we had we had Todd Campwell, who's of course just been called up to the England under twenty ones, who's a yeah, shining light in our. Player. Oh, mate, he's been brilliant. And, phenomenal. You know, he, he, he came on our podcast, and it was the exact same thing, Fozzie. You know that yeah. people don't realise just how much the, the the talk and the media and the tweets, everything affects footballers. It, it, it really does, mate. We yeah. we could definitely have a round two here because we we've run at least fifteen minutes over time, and I, lo- yeah, I love no you problem, dearly. Yeah, I love no you problem. dearly, mate. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. We could yeah. have gone on forever and a day about. You know, you're coaching in Germany, your time under Felix McGath at Fulham. But we're going to have to call it, mate. But there's definitely a round two. It's been yeah, an absolute no pleasure problem, to speak to you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, obviously, I'm keen to know what the reaction is as well, because it's been great to get uh, things off my chest. And what I try to do is I try to hold my dignity and I try to be so professional yeah. about this. And I show yeah. to everyone that I'm not a guy that, uh, would talk bad about clubs and stuff because I understand that football is a business. Yeah. And I'm also, as a coach now, and the coaching side of things, so I understand how things work. But I do have my story and I do have my side of it. And yeah. what I will say is that I was the proudest young Scotsman to play for Norwich, oh, to wear mate. that jersey. You're making um, me emotional. So I've got my photo of myself uh, winning a header against Modric with my Norwich strip on. Oh, uh, yes. And, and, and my house up here in Scotland. Oh, and my, my two wee boys, Mason and Connor, see it when they walk up the hallway. It's always good to tell them that their daddy was uh, a no-bad player, you know. So, oh, um, As I said, mate, it's great, it's great to chat Brilliant. to you as well, you know. Brilliant. Fozzie, thanks so much for, for, for having having you on. I, I really appreciate all of your time. And as I say, we'll have to do a round two another time. Yeah. So that's Anything. it. So, so that's it, guys. That that was the podcast with Mark Fotheringham. I hope you enjoyed that. He's clearly showed his side of the story. There's a lot of passion in that fire. He's got to love him to bits, our, our, our Fozzie. Um, yeah, uh, if you've not already, please make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud, on iTunes and Spotify. And as I say, we've got another special guest coming this week. So without further ado, thank you very much and on the Ball City.